0: Make sure to jump in on all of the action while you still can, guys. There's still plenty of time left in this college ball season, so jump in on the action at mybookie.ag. Of two great promo codes to choose from. You can use our code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit for all new users, or if you want to avoid the playthrough, you can use the code 200cash to get a 10% cash bonus up to $200 straight to your account, no strings attached. So choose the best option for you and jump in on all the action today with mybookie. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and back with me today, as he is each and every Sunday, to react to Georgia's big 31-20 victory over Missouri is my longtime co-host Curtis. So, Curtis, 31-20, my man. And and much closer than that for the vast majority of the game. But the Dogs pulled it out and in the process effectively eliminated Missouri. From SEC Eastern Division contention by dealing the Tigers their second conference loss of the season, which is actually only their second entire loss of the season, but now the Dogs have taken one more big step closer to repeating as SEC East champs for the third consecutive season and what would be the sixth time in seven years. And Kurt, we're going to dive into all the specifics on both sides of the ball. Plenty of time for that, but first, I I do want to take a big picture look at the game. And get your biggest takeaway from this big win over Missouri. I think my biggest my biggest takeaway is
1: is we took their best shot and we, we responded.
0: Hundred percent. Totally agree. We, and I don't, I don't know if Missouri played their best game, but they came in there and gave us their best shot. They're coming off a bye exactly. week.
1: I'm not saying they, like you said, they they played their best performance of the year. I mean, we, you can see they didn't when we have two. But we picks, also but had a lot to do
0: with that, Curtis. I was about to say. Yeah, I was
1: about to say, yeah, like Brady Cook had two picks. Well, yeah, but I think that has more to say on our defense. We forced both of those, yes. Exactly. And my, my biggest thing i not saying we took their best shot, especially. You know I texted you about this, and I don't think enough people, especially in the national media, shocker. I didn't give Missouri the credit of how good they are. Also, the fact that they were coming off a bye week.
0: It's huge. Curtis, this is a very good football team. And I know a lot of Georgia fans probably haven't watched a ton of Missouri this year because it's not really a team that's typically on your radar. But doing this podcast, we have to prep for these things, right? So we watch all these teams on our schedule pretty much every week. And so you and I knew coming to this game that this was a very, very good football team. And you have a very good team coming off of a bye week, Curtis.
1: After, yeah, after I don't know, Georgia plays Florida,
0: it's dangerous, right? I was gonna say, yeah, we just play Florida, our biggest rival
1: technically, and yeah, that was an emotional game. So we're coming off of that. Like I've said all year, looking at the schedule, that was the trap game to me. I know Ole Miss is a whole other story, but the fact was, I mean, they're coming off a bye and we're coming off an emotional game, so we took their best shot and we had to fight.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. This is, Curtis, I mean, would you agree with me that this is the best team that we have faced to this point? Zero questions asked.
1: Zero questions asked. Absolutely.
0: Hundred percent. Now. We might play a better team next week. I, what is your take on that? Do you think Ole Miss is better than Missouri? I've seen
1: some people say they're deeper skill-wise, but I don't know if I believe that after watching them play Bama you know, earlier in the year. Oh,
0: I don't know if they're deeper skill-wise. I don't know about that. That's what they I'm have, saying. I don't Richard know. When when he's healthy, is is awesome. Yeah, Receiver but I don't Trey know. Trey Harris they,
1: is good. Watkins is good. Their top but, I mean, two receivers are not as good as Missouri's top two receivers. That's for sure. Agreed.
0: Agreed. I, I do think that Brady Cook's a better passer, and he runs the ball well, but Jackson Dart, I mean, he's a different kind of runner for them. Oh, obviously, we'll talk a lot more about this as the week goes on, but Jackson Dart's playing at a really high level all year long. But both quarterbacks, if, if you want to call the quarterback situation a, a draw, that's fine. I think it's a, two very comfortable teams. Is that fair? I, th- I think Missouri's better defensively. Oh, the, I absolutely agree with that. I think I would, maybe, I would probably give a slight edge to Ole Miss offensively. But a slight edge. I, w- I wouldn't call it an overwhelming edge. But I do definitely believe Missouri is a better defense, for sure. For sure. with well, The way they attack, their aggressive style, the way they force you into, into doing some things that are outside of your comfort zone. So I think you could very well make an argument, Curtis, that this is going to be the best team that we would play the entire regular season. Now, maybe it'll be Ole Miss. I, I, you could make an argument either way. And I really wouldn't fight you on that. They're two different teams and how they go about playing offensive and defensive football. But, I mean, if they land up and play it ten times, it wouldn't shock me if it was like five and five. You know what I mean? Yeah I, it wouldn't shock me at all if it was a seven game series it wouldn't shock me if it goes like to seven games obviously that's not how we play football that would be kind of cool if it was but anyway this is my point is this is a very good football team guys and i know that you look at the name on the jersey and it says missouri and they've only beaten us one time since they joined the league in 2012 and you don't really respect missouri i get that guys but this is a different missouri team i spent all last week trying to tell everyone that this is a legitimately good football team they were better than a lot better than they were last year a lot better they were last year. They had the number two receiver in the SEC behind Malik neighbors coming to this game, Luther Burton. And, and by the way, Luther Burton spent the first half of the year leading the league in receiving. That guy's as good as there is at that position in the entire SEC Curtis. We had that guy had three catches for 54 yards, one single catch after that first drive. Now he had that long touchdown catch and he had that good for him, man. And then that's, that's what the guy does. They got it mashed up the way they want to on Daylon Everett there and nice throw, nice catch. That's a good offense. But I know that there are some Georgia fans that are not thrilled with how this turned out because it was closer than, let's be real, Curse, closer than what games have been in the SEC East over the past two or three years, right? Like we've just been dominating most of the teams, really in the SEC in general in the regular season. And that hasn't really been the case this year. It's a different kind of team. Obviously, this year, let's just be real, Curse, this team is not the same team we've had the past two years. Are you ready to say that at this point in 10 weeks? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I've been ready to say that probably the last couple
0: weeks. Yeah, I mean, we were saying it, you know. After the Auburn game or whenever we were saying this, I think right now you can make an argument that this might be the best team in the country, probably is one of the two best teams in the country. But does that mean that we are as good as we were the past two years? No, it doesn't. I don't think there's any team in the country this year that is as good as we were the past two years. So all that's here. all the matches. Are we the best team we have to be this season? I think that we very well could be. But we are not the dominant team, especially without Brock Bowers, who is the best player in college football. We are not the same level dominant team that we have in the past couple of years. So I, and I hate to use the word spoiled, but it, and I don't even know if that is exactly the right word here, Curtis. But in some ways, we've come to expect we've built this machine where we have these expectations that we just blow everyone out. And when we don't blow everyone out, people tend to get very concerned, get up on their feelings. Like, Oh my God, the sky's falling. It's like, no, like we just beat a really good football team coming off a of bye week. They were the big underdog in this game. They had really nothing to lose. I, mean, I guess you could say they lost, lost their chance when the ICCE. So I guess there's that, but I mean, they, they came out, they came in here with house money, Curtis. And they get, like, like you said, I think they did give us their best shot. And we responded with a, more than a touchdown victory in this game, Curtis. I, this is a really good win. This is a good win again without your best player, without the best player in college football. I would call this a culture win. I think we've had a couple of those this year. You know, you go back to South Carolina, week three. You know, South Carolina is terrible, but they weren't as banged up that that week as they are now. Uh, then you got Auburn. Auburn's not a good football team, but you know what? We had we had to fight and claw and scratch and get that one. That those were culture wins. This was another culture win, Curtis. A lot of teams would not have been – and we weren't down big in this game, but you're know, you down 13-10 after the first drive of the second half, and we had to come back, and we had to answer the bell. And they put the pressure on us at times, and every single time we've had to this season, Curtis, including this week against Missouri, we have answered the bell. And the last thing I want to I throw out here before we move on to like the offense, defense, and that kind of stuff, I want to talk about situational football. We have spent a lot of time the past couple of weeks, Curtis, talking about our red zone defense in particular. Like it was in like – we were laying touchdowns like in the 70% range. Once teams got in the red zone, that changed on Saturday, Curtis. We won situational football. We won third. We were a little bit better on third down, not significantly better on third down, slightly better on third down, which we had been all year. But really, where I think we won this football game, Curtis, was in the red zone. Situational football, baby. It matters, man. Three of four scoring touchdowns in the red zone for Georgia. One of three for Missouri. And, guys, Missouri, they came in this, into this game the best red zone team in the country in terms of like score percentage. They had scored 70, 97% of their red zone opportunities, and that's not always touchdowns. But they were really high up there in touchdown score percentage as well in the red zone. We were very low, as we've talked about many times on the show. It's been one of my biggest concerns. Very low in holding opponents to, to field goals inside the red zone. And to hold them to one, one out of three touchdowns in the red zone, Curtis, that's the difference in the game. That's the difference in the game. Three out of four touchdowns for us. One out of three from Missouri. Situational football. It matters. It mattered in this game, and that is where we won the football game. So I just want to put that out there because I think we've had some issues. Third down, we've been great all year, offensively and defensively. The red zone, though, we've had issues on both sides of the ball. And we, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say we got it fixed. I don't know. It's one game, but it certainly. It certainly is training in the right direction after, these, after coming out of the bye week, and that's a, that's a really positive side because we are going to play some tight games, Curtis. We, we, we talked about this after Bowers, we, that's, that's, and that's also one of the reasons I'm not that concerned, Curtis. You and I, we talked about this. With, with Brock Bowers, we knew the margins were going to be reduced, right?
1: Yeah, we knew it. Or, I mean, yeah, we knew that. And so Logical, I, logical. Yeah, logical.
0: you're losing the best player in the country, and your entire offense is essentially built around him. And so when you lose that guy, yes, the margins are going to be reduced. That's what we – I mean, I'm, I'm sure we weren't the only ones saying that, but I know on this podcast we were saying that. So when we we, we beat a good team like Missouri that I know is a good football team, that, by the way, Curtis, I mean, what do you think? 10-2, and 9-3 and three at worst probably by the time the season's over?
1: Yeah, I would bet 10-2 and two if I think that.
0: If you're if you handicapping it right now, who wins that game, Tennessee or Missouri next week? At Missouri. I'm going to go Missouri. I got Missouri. Florida? Come on. They got to go to Missouri? They're not losing that game. They're going to lose to Arkansas. I think Missouri is a 10-2 football team, Curtis. A 10 and 2 yeah. football team. It's the number 12 team in the Coswell playoff ring. This is a good football team. They came in here, house money, without our best player, and we knew the margins were going to be reduced. So I'm thrilled with this victory. I know that might not be what the average Georgia fans think. I know I got some people on social media that were not thrilled with that. So I kind of had to put some stuff out there on social media and say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I feel great about this one. I think this is a great team win. And that's kind of how I feel. That's my overall takeaway. All that. To say, I think this is a really great team win for Georgia. All right, Chris, before we move into the offensive defense stuff specifically, I do want to just ask you this about the the final drive that we had, the two-minute drive right before the half. We had a lot of questions about this from listeners out there and so i wanted to specifically bring it up here on the on the recap episode so let me just set the scene here final drive right before the half was our final drive right before the half we get the ball on our 30 with two minutes and 10 seconds we uh run the ball on first and second down we get five yards on first down one yard on second down. so it's third and fourth throw a pass uh, it, w- it was a miscommunication there it looks like love it cutting on a slant looks like beck wanted him to sit down it would have been right there it looks like he probably should have sat down there based on the zone coverage and um it's an incomplete pass because they just weren't on the same page there. So we got to punt the ball. Punt the ball with 45 seconds left. Didn't get anything out of that. Got Gave Missouri the ball back with about 45 seconds left. Do you have any issues with how we handled that two-minute possession?
1: Yeah, it wasn't the best way we handled
0: it. I mean, at least we kept the clock. I mean, we really didn't. Because we were clearly happened. not in a hurry there. Like, that, if you want to run the football, the fine, but we were not like – we were running the football, and we were just taking our time back in the line of scrimmage. Do you have any issues with that?
1: Yeah, Um. It's one of those that you either got to be aggressive or you got to do a better job of truly running it out where you're going to run it again on third down instead of throwing it on fourth, third down to stop the clock.
0: I have a tough time with this one because I understand the thought process behind it. We did not like we were we want like we were kind of caught in between, you know, where we want to we want to try to put points on the board for the half. But we also don't want to get caught in a situation where we go three and out and give Missouri the ball back with like a minute and 40 seconds left and have, have give them a chance to go. Go down the field and get some points before the half and take that momentum into halftime and then get the ball back coming out to open the second half. I understand the thought process there. Like we we want to try to get some yards. We want to try to put points on the board. You'd be a little cautious, run the football first and get five yards. Okay, we're in second and medium. Let's run the ball again, see if we can move the chains or get close to it, getting third and short and have some and and see if we can execute on third down. And that's and then I know the issue is that okay, we're we're going slow there, but I Again, to me, I don't really have that much of an issue with it because we are trying to be in a situation where if we don't convert the third down, we don't want Missouri to have a lot of time left. And we put Missouri in a situation where Eli Drinkers had to make a decision because he could have called a timeout there, but he wasn't sure if we were going to – he's like, if I call a timeout here, I might be helping Georgia out and giving Georgia more time to go down there and score. The, and, and score. So he had to kind of hold that timeout by the time that we punt the ball. There's only 45 seconds left. And there's not really much you're going to be able to do, pin deep in their own territory. So I don't personally have a major issue with it. I, I'm like you. I would have probably preferred to see us be a little bit more aggressive on first and second down. At least like, if you don't run the ball on first down and see if you know you can catch them sleeping a little bit and pick up something, that's fine. The second down run I don't love there. I would like If you want to do a safe pass, that's fine. If you want to like run the clock a little bit, I'm fine with that. But let's try to get somebody in space and see if we can make something happen. I don't, I don't love that second hour run, but I do understand the thought process behind it, not wanting to give Missouri much time there. And at the end of the day, I guess it ultimately played out fine. You know, it's, it's consequentialism, right? Like a decision is, is moral, a decision is right if it turns out right. I guess it ultimately it turned out to work out for us there, so it wasn't the worst thing. But I knew there's a lot of people out there that were not thrilled with that and wanted us to bring it up. So I at least wanted, to, wanted to touch on it there. Um. All right. Before we go any further, I think now is a good time to remind everyone again about our great friends at my. Bookie, look, guys, I know sometimes people get hesitant to sign up for accounts on Sportsbooks because you don't know if you can really trust them. After all, you are putting your money into these accounts. But trust me, guys, I'm telling you, from my experience, my personal experience with my bookie, you can absolutely trust them. They have incredible customer service, quick payouts. They have a ton of different deposit options. You can find a deposit option that you are comfortable with. And once you sign up for one of those brand new accounts, you have two great promo code options to choose from. You can use our exclusive promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus added on top of your first deposit for all new users. But if you want to avoid the playthrough, that comes with a 10-time playthrough. So if you want to avoid that, you can use the code 200CASH to get a no strings attached cash bonus straight to your account all you have to do is bet your initial deposit and that money boom it's there it's yours you do whatever you want with it withdraw it whatever so choose from those options guys two great options for you take advantage of all their great features the cash out early option all the different live betting options the cash prize pools so many different options for you guys to cash in and make some money today so do yourself a sod and sign up for a brand new account at my so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. Okay, let's dive into this offensive performance, though, Curtis. So I don't know, man. 385 total yards against Missouri, which was our lowest offensive output of the season. 5.9 yards per play, which our second lowest yards per play output of the season, after games of 8.3 yards per play, 7.1, and 7.4 yards per play in our last three games. So pretty simply here, Chris, let me just start here. What do you attribute the the, I guess the general decline in offensive production to in this specific game? Like in this specific game, what was the issue? Why were we not as productive offensively as we have been in the last month or so?
1: I think the biggest thing is that Missouri did a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. Really, it's exactly what Missouri did last year. You know, they really shoot. And that's why there's a, more negative plays in the run game, too, especially earlier in the game before we start wearing them down later in the second half. But that's how – you know they play that type of defense, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. It's almost like when we play some of these mid-majors and all their guys are just shooting gaps because they can't go one-on-one with us. It feels like Missouri does something very similar. So, yeah, they're going to create a lot more pressure and um, negative plays.
0: You're exactly right. They play extraordinarily aggressive attacking-style defense as we kind of laid out on the previous episode last week. That's what they do, guys. I mean I, we, we knew that was what was going to happen coming into the game. Now my frustration, Curtis – is that we like exactly like you said? We saw the same thing last year, right? And I yeah. felt like we should probably have a little bit better game plan for that. Like, did you have that feeling watching this game? Like, okay, like, this is almost a re. Not it wasn't quite as tough going the first half. We moved the ball a bit better in the first half. We did
1: I'll say run game. game wise. I mean, throw in the past game we were moving the ball. Um, it was really the run game, the negative plays that were killing us each drive, and that was the most frustrating thing. Is like, I mean, we were, but we weren't doing the same thing every play, but they weren't. As you know, productive as it should have been.
0: Well, when you play it, like you're right. Like when they shoot gaps. Like that's one of the reasons. Like every time we run the zone plays, I'm like, why? Because like when you run zone, you create those gaps for those guys to shoot. And I and I know that the gap scheme stuff is slower developing, and that can also cause its own issues if they're following guards and stuff. And we don't have a gut following the pullers, and we don't have a core batter that's going to pull it and make them pay for. Although I wish we would do that more, Carson, because I think he's got the ability to at least keep them honest. He did it once goes forward, but he needs to do that on a more consistent basis, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, look, they're just—they're really aggressive. Now, what do you have to do? Like, when you are that aggressive, it makes you vulnerable to give up big plays. And Missouri's given up a, quite a few big plays this year. And I thought that we would be able to hit more big plays against them than we did. Uh, That's—that was my expectation because I, you know, when they're going to be aggressive like that, you want to take some shots down the field. And we tried, guys. We had a couple that in that game that kind—they were so close to hitting them. They were there, but Carson just didn't have long enough. He either got sacked or got pressured and had to pull it down. You know, and and that happens sometimes when you play that aggressive style defense. I was more frustrated, I guess, with our pass protection. Yeah,
1: that's what that was my frustration too. I mean, I I I Mims is said to have been healthy and it's we need need to get him back, man. He's got he's we need him back. Trust is trust just got flat. I mean, they
0: were yeah they were bringing pressure, but there were also a couple times where he just got the first sack. Dude just got beat, just got whipped. It really wasn't even close. It was just uh, a bad effort, let's just say that. And Mims coming back, you know, if he's not 100 healthy, maybe you know it's not much better. I don't know, but we need we need to get Marius Mims back. I mean, he's been out since what South Carolina week three. Uh, I think, oh, uh, yeah, I guess it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. South Carolina week three, so we're we're talking about like a two months, Curtis. So I mean, he had and he had the the high the high ankle sprain, he had the tightrope surgery too. So I mean, I know he's been back practicing some a little bit more in the past couple of weeks, but he need, I know Kirby talks about you know getting get conditioned, those kind of things, and I understand, I get that, but he needs getting condition get his butt on the field because we need that guy big time. Because I mean, Truss has played admirably, he's playing out of position. But, I mean, he just – he he did not have a great day. And neither did Ernest Green. Ernest Green's been playing really well the past couple of weeks. Things get gotten better and better and better. I thought we saw a little bit of regression. It was a one-game setting. Again, they were very aggressive and they played a different style of football. And for a young guy who has not played a lot of football, hadn't, he hasn't played against this team before. That's a tough team to go up against, tough defensive front to go up against. But he did not play particularly well, run game, pass game, or pass, you know, pass pro in particular. But Yeah, like we – they were getting us consistently in third and long, second and long. And we were trying to dial up the shot plays, take advantage of their aggressiveness, but we just weren't able to consistently protect Carson enough to allow those plays to develop. We tried to run through the screen game some. We had some success with the quick passing game. We obviously had the touchdown to Dominic Love it on that first touch on that first touchdown drive. I uh, had a couple to Lad, had one to Mikayemius, which just unfortunately we were in third and long for the sack. That was a really nice call to take advantage of their aggressiveness. We tried to do some things, but we just couldn't quite break those explosive plays. We had that one long one to Lad, I guess in the first quarter, we'll go about was it 26 yarder to. Um, Two on, on the, uh, I guess it was an offsides, and we threw it up to Rara. He came down with it. But there really weren't a ton of explosive plays in this game, which I thought that we would have more of. So there's one thing I'm really more concerned than anything about coming out of this game was number one, pass pro. Because of course we had, we're only giving up six sacks in the first what, seven games, eight games of the year. We gave up three against Missouri. So that's a 50% increase in this one game. Now, again, with the way they played, maybe that shouldn't be altogether surprising. But you still don't want to see that. So the pass pro there, don't love that. And our inability to hit those explosive plays when, when a team is as aggressive as they were was certainly a little bit of frustration for me there watching that. And that's, again, why why was the game as closer than probably we wanted to be? Because we had to grind out these drives. We were not hitting explosive plays. We had to grind out the drives. It takes time at the clock. And you're not going to be able to put up the points on the board that you want to. So like if you want to blow teams out, you hit explosive plays. And we just simply were not hitting those based off of you know not really have enough time to let those plays develop in the run and you mentioned the run game curse. So let's go there man running game i had really been starting to come on dude I've been i've been feeling much better i was very concerned early in the year you guys know that i felt better and better about it we've been averaging 211 yards a game over the last three like big time stuff but only 131 yards rushing 4 yards per carry which are which were both our lowest outputs yards per carry and total rushing yards since the Auburn game back in week 5. I know it's one game Curtis, but did, how concerned are you about the rush the run game after that performance against Missouri? Um
1: I'm concerned but I'm not freaking out because you know we talk about the the scheme Missouri runs. They are a harder team to pass or to run on especially. I mean you got to hit them with the misdirection a lot. We did it a, a couple times but it was it is frustrating i want to see how we do against more not basic defenses but more traditional defenses as what we've seen the last couple of weeks is more of what you normally see
0: do you, how much of, of the issues running the football do you attribute to missouri just being a very very different style of defense than we have faced and will face
1: a lot because they have they have quick athletic guys i mean I, I, we're talking about the scheme but we're also not i mean we got to give credit to their players they have big strong guys that thrive in that defense and they do these things that we don't see on a a daily you know week to week basis especially with the the stunts and everything they do out out there in the front seven especially
0: they have guys that fit that system a guy like tyron hopper played at florida for a couple years he's now a second year at missouri he's a grad he's i think like 50 or 60 year guy he's been on forever he's a 50 year guy um he's just he's not like a big physical inside linebacker but he's quick athletic aggressive had a sack against us and he's the guy that fits that system what they want to do shoot gaps be aggressive run around in space darius robinson that defense fit number six told you guys about him coming in he led the team in sacks coming to this game and that dude was tough he was tough for us to defend man like strong athletic um you the other guy on the other sideline you've got uh johnny walker jr who was four sacks coming into this game he had a sack in this game too just he was the one that just absolutely whipped trust man like his trust had no chance I mean, they have some good players, athletic players, that fit this system and allow them to be aggressive and attacking on defense. And I, I do – I'm with you. I, I think a lot of this has to do with how they play. When you play – it, it's the same thing we saw last year, Curtis. Remember the issues? You know the issues that we had in the first half of the football against Missouri last year. When you mm-hmm. run all those zone schemes, we had a lot – and we did – that was one, one frustration I did have is like, schematically – why are we running so many zone plays here when they murdered us against those looks last year and they played the exact same style of defense with largely the same group of players that they had last year? So that was a little bit of a frustration. We tried, we did try to do some gap scheme stuff and really weren't getting a ton of movement. And I do, I do think the way that they play, Curtis, as aggressive as they were, it created some confusion for our offensive line, especially the young guys. You talk about Ernest Green and, and Morris and Fairchild. I mean, there were plenty of times, Curtis, where guys were unblocked, not because they were bringing extra guys in the box. Now, there were a couple, plenty of plays where they're bringing a safety lay, bringing a star defender lay, the slot defender lay. And those guys are just unaccounted for and unblocked, and they make the play as part of their aggressive attacking style defense. you got to make the pay for that, which we could not really do consistently. But there were too many times where it was relatively even numbers in the box, and we were just, like, not blocking people. Like, just going back to what we saw early in the season, it's like, we don't know who to block. And we've cleaned that up for most of the season, you know, at least the past month or so. But we saw more of that against Missouri. I'm not going to freak out too much about because, it again, it's just a very different style of defense. We don't see this very often. And when you have some young guys out there who haven't played a ton of football, that can create some issues. And it absolutely did. It absolutely did. Now, I, I do want to say, like, let me ask you this: Do you feel like I know a lot of people are upset about the run game, hurt, especially the first half, and we weren't able to really move, move the football much on the ground, really? I guess the entire game. But there are a lot of Georgia fans out there that are upset about that. Do you think it's maybe being overplayed a little bit? Like, were we that bad at running the football? I think that I think the, 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 we ran the ball like we weren't consistently good running the football, but yeah, it wasn't was like say, consistently stoned us either.
1: My issues are more of the amount of negative plays is what killed us because that was the thing we would have you know it it seemed to always happen on first or second down too which is we have a, a positive play for five or six yards on first down and then second down take a negative play and then we were in third and five plus and I, that was yeah, where we my were frustration in third and long was. far too often yeah that was my
0: frustration without Brock that becomes tougher to deal with yeah absolutely. But if you look at our top two guys, I mean, look, we, we talked about three sacks, right? So those factor into your rushing yardage totals, too. Our top two running backs, Daisy Edwards and Kendall Milton. I'm not going to sit here and say it was a banner day for either one of them. It wasn't. It wasn't what we saw against Florida. It wasn't what we saw against Vanderbilt. But combined, they had 25 carries for 121 yards. That's almost five yards per rush. I mean, most games against really good football teams, you're probably going to take that and be okay with it, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: especially when you get the – I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like when you play these ranked matchups – its survive in advance baby
0: that 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 I've been in that mode basically since Auburn, you know it's like survive in advance, just win, baby, and get better, and we have well, gotten especially better. as
1: especially as this team is getting better, like people can say you know say all they want, but the, the team is getting better, and I think that's and that's why I'm okay with the survive in advance because as this team continues to grow and get better together, you're seeing it, yeah.
0: If you said if you had to put a, a grade on Curtis, like what type, like grade our overall game, was it an A, B, C? Like how do how would you look at the, how we played overall yesterday?
1: Well, I'd say B plus. I mean, defensively, like you're talking about making big play. I mean, they had one big, you know, they hit the big play on Daylon, which you know that, that's a toss up. You mean at least it wasn't a wide open guy.
0: Daylon um, was there. I mean, it's just a great yeah. throw, great catch. I mean, but it's a great play. The, it's a good, you know, you it, talked that, about that's it. That's a great quarterback receiver combo, Curtis. That's, that's what it's, it was.
1: Exactly, but the the stops in the red zone, that was huge. Things, like you Absolutely. said, we had not been doing all year. So in offense, you know, Carson still goes for over 250 for the first time ever. It's nine straight games for a Georgia quarterback. I mean, we're still acting like we're not out here doing big things. Yeah.
0: I, I don't think it was our best performance by any stretch of imagination, but I go back to what my big takeaway, Curse. I don't think that we played our best game, but we played a top twin, top 12 college football playoff team who I believe is going to probably end up 10-2, 9-3 at worst this year. And we still won this game by almost 10 points.
1: Almost well, here, here, here's the hot take too. If you, if I, if I'm gonna give out bad grades, you know, Georgia, I'll say did a B plus. Fans were at a C plus, maybe C.
0: You didn't feel like the the environment was big. No, that's, I mean, that's
1: what you're the biggest. You know, one, I mean, a lot of the takeaways I've been watching is a lot of the fans calling each other out for the country club atmosphere that it felt like there was there Saturday.
0: I guess it kind of depends on where you are located in the stadium. I felt like my section was was doing a great job. I thought we were really loud. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm insane. I go crazy all the time, but I, I feel like the people around me were loud too. But I mean, it, it's a section by section thing. You got 90 plus thousand people in there. I think I feel like in the fourth quarter we re- the stadium. Yeah, but large, I mean, but that's really the thing though the is like
1: you get loud in the fourth quarter. Well, maybe if you were loud the whole game, you get more penalties, you get more fault starts, and you more make them force more, more mistakes instead of getting loud when it's a tight game.
0: Yeah, I do think that our stadium over the years has gotten a lot better, especially under Kirby Smart. But I, I would say in general, probably was not the best crowd effort that we've seen. I don't want to make. It, I'm not making excuses at all. It was. I, I know like it's November, and it was only like it's like 77 degrees, but like I don't know. It was hot where I was. The sun was right <laughs> on me. So I, I mean, I was go, I was going crazy. I'm I'm gonna defend myself here. But maybe there's some people were kind of like that. I don't know. I mean, there's still no excuse. But, yeah, I, I, how much do you think the fact that it was, again, the name on the jersey, Missouri, that played into that?
1: I think it does. You know, I, I was reading some stuff, and I think it is true. You know, we don't have the history, the tradition. I mean, yeah, we don't play Ole Miss all that much when they come to town, but Ole Miss is just a party. I mean, that's what they're known for. But it's an SEC you know? team
0: that's been around for a long time. Lane Kiffin's a high-profile coach. Well, and, you know, you know let's
1: be honest. Ole Miss has a, a – a, good portion of their students are from the state of Georgia that either couldn't get into Georgia or just want to go yeah. out of state and go to a place to have fun, and that's all Miss. So it's there's a, a lot of ties to all yeah. Miss.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, man. Um, I do think like, – I, I honestly believe, speaking of this, now that you brought it up, I tried my best on this show last week. man. I tried my best to explain to everyone. I think all our listeners on this show who actually know football because I know our listeners know football. That's so why you listen to this podcast. We knew that Missouri was good. And, like, that's clear. If you watch Missouri play, that's a very good football team. But do you think the average Georgia fan really took them that seriously?
1: No, I not don't. really.
0: I don't. I think they saw Missouri, and they're like, oh, 7-1. They're like, Who they played? They haven't beaten anybody. Oh, they're just – they're kind of – this a fraudulent team. No, 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 no. As I said last week, this team did not get to 7-1 by accident. This is a very good, very well-coached football team, and – I, I knew that coming in. I was jacked up. dude. I had a great run on Saturday morning because I was fired up for this game. I was just flying through Millage through the streets of Athens going just crazy, man, because I was ready for this game. I got there in the stadium, and I'm fired up, ready to go because I know how good this team was. I don't know if your average fan out there realized that. And they're like, oh, it's Missouri. Yeah, 7-1, but like they're not really that good. We're just going to kill them. We're killing everybody right now. It's like, I don't know, man. It's a good football team. So I, to your point, Chris, I do think the crowd could have been better. Do you expect that to be different against Ole Miss? Because I do. Oh, especially at a 7 p.m. kickoff, yeah. Yeah, with uh, with game day coming in town.
1: Absolutely. Which,
0: are you gonna go to game day?
1: Uh, no. I I think game day. Last? Game. Have you ever gone to game day here? I have once, but I, and I'll but I'll say especially who the crew is now. I have no desire to. Ever I'm go not. To. No,
0: no. I mean I, I'll be I'll be the old man here, dude. I mean no. McAfee does not No, Not not happening. Not happening. Not happening. I don't. I've I, I don't. I haven't really paid attention to game day in a while, but now it's like. I do not watch Game Day, period. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Last time I went to Game Day was I think was it oh eight Bama? I think was yeah, I think it was oh eight Bama. Yeah. So it's been a long time since I've been there, but it, it fires up the people, gets everybody fired up. I was hoping this game, the Missouri game was gonna be a night game because I I, I was concerned about the general average fan being like, Oh yeah, Missouri's not that good. But when this night, you know, environment is be a little tougher. But yeah, I, I do think you're right in general. But, uh, I, hey, man, our, our section was going – we were going hard. All right, last thing on the offense script before we move on, let's go. We talk, you mentioned Carson Beck, so I, I think – I would say it wasn't a banner day for Carson Beck. Um, not bad at all, but I need stretch imagination. Like you said, the first Georgia quarterback nine straight over 250, but it was his lowest offense, our lowest passing output of the year, 21 to 32. Still a really good completion percent, especially facing the pressure that he was facing. 254, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, which you can't say the same for Brady Cook. I told you guys to coming the game as good as Brady Cook is, I felt good about this game because I feel like we had the better quarterback, and it showed itself out there on Saturday. So th- now we've had two games with Brock Bowers, Curtis, um, with two very different offensive performances. How do you feel about this offense without Bowers now? Now we've seen it twice.
1: I still think we can be successful. I mean, we have a lot of players on
0: the outside. I think can we, we protect to- Carson. We are totally. Yeah, I we, mean, in this format, we protected him and we torched them. Yeah, if we, if, we, if we protect him, we torch people. If we don't, then it's going to be tougher. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really, to me, I think that was the biggest difference because there were plays to be made. I mean, we made plays. There were some, you know, I think that that was the biggest thing is we just didn't keep Carson upright to hit on the big plays that were there to
0: be made. Yeah, there was a play. I forget exactly what point the second time. I just got done the rewatch, but it's all blurred in my head. I'm going to go back and rewatch it again here in a second. But I want to say it was some point in the third quarter where we had a play dialed up for, I mean, it was going to be a touchdown to Ladd and Carson gets sat. He just couldn't. There's like, just like, if he could have held the ball for like, I don't know, man, like a, a half a second more, maybe not, maybe not even that. It's a touchdown, but we couldn't, we couldn't hold him up and got, and got sacked. So that's frustrating, but that has, that has not been the norm for this team. This this was the exception. Now, maybe, I hope it doesn't become the norm. It's just one game, but I mean, that, that was the frustrating part for me because we had those explosive opportunities there. And I, I you're right. I think we have, like, we saw those guys activate against Florida, we saw and Ladd was huge again, man. I mean, Jesus. Like getting Ladd back. Oh my God. Where's this? Just, just a revelation, man. Getting this guy back. Just an unbelievable football player. I love it. Did some nice things for us. I still want to see him get the ball more in the middle of the field and space a little bit more and let him go to work. Because that guy is electric when he gets the ball in his hands. And one of the first downs he picked up in the on the first quarter when uh he's kind of got the ball there and just darted up feeling and make people miss man he's that kind of guy so i want to see him get a little bit more involved in the offense i know we're trying to a little bit but i think he's a playmaker that can be big for us and Ra Ra had, had a big catch just, yeah, he's the guy because i think he'd be that 50 50 guy for us you know down the field oh absolutely brock. he
1: he makes a lot of those big or you know competitive
0: yeah like and he's just not getting a ton of shots right now because like when you have brock you have brock now you have lad it's like okay well lad is freaking awesome so we gotta feed the ball to lad But I do think we have playmakers. I mean, Delp's a really good football player, man. I mean, he's not, he's not, you know, Brock Bowers, but he's a really good football player himself. So we do have we do have playmakers that can go out there and win football games for us. But we're clearly not the same offense without Brock Bowers. I mean, we that's like we knew that. I'm not saying anything nobody that we didn't already know. We know that. But I think you know you look at two different performances. Once against, one against Florida, we were dynamic on offense. One against Missouri, not as dynamic. Yes, I would attribute a lot of that to how Missouri plays compared to how Florida plays defense. Florida is much more traditional. I mean, Austin Armstrong is basically the Georgia defense is what they're running more or less. So we're much more familiar with that than we are with what with what Blake Baker does with his defense at Missouri. So that's a big part of it. Also, when you don't have Brock, when you get a tight game like this, and you like Brock is an explosive play machine. He's he's an everything machine, but he's a guy we went to when need explosive plays and Ladd has given us some of that especially against florida he had that one big explosive play against missouri yesterday but without brock I, I, the margins get reduced because we don't have that the extra guy that can be a a threat to take it to the house every single time he touches the football you know and, and him not being there puts more attention on guys like Ladd and Ra Ra and dominic and doesn't really give them the one-on-one opportunities that they would get otherwise so we're not going to be as explosive on offense. We're not going to be as good on offense without Brock Bowers. Like that's duh, obviously. But I still feel that we can be good enough. This this Missouri defense is good, Kershaw. Right? I think Ole Miss's defense is not close to as good as Missouri. So I'm hoping that we get back on track more so against Ole Miss, are probably going to need to because that is a, a good offensive football team. But, yeah, I mean, look, we're not the same without Brock, but I still think this is an offense, even without him, with the playmakers that we have, with, with Carson Beck operating the way he's operating, if we can continue to protect him, which we have most of the season. I still feel like this is an offense and go out and win the rest of these games, the rest of the regular season until we get those guys back. Okay, guys, we got one more break before we get to the defensive side of the ball and wrap this thing up, but let's talk about our great friends at Alumni Hall. I had a lot of you wonderful listeners sending me stuff on social media over the weekend, showing me all the, the cool stuff that you got at Alumni Hall when you came into town this weekend. So I'm glad they hooked you guys up. But if you guys have not been able to check out Alumni Hall, there's still plenty of time. The weather's turning. You need that cold weather gear. So go to alumnihall.com if you're not in the Athens area. But if you're in the Athens area at any point, like, I don't know, maybe next week for the f- for the home finale, you can stop by inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center just past the coding connector right off 316 if you're coming into town that way it's an easy convenient pit stop they'll be there at 8 a.m bright and early for you guys so plenty of time to get all your gear it wasn't cold on Saturday. It was supposed to be in the in the afternoon, late afternoon, but it really wasn't. But this weekend, it's a night game. It's going to be chilly. So make sure to get yourself covered. Get ready if you're coming to town and there's no better place to get ready than at Alumni Hall because they have all the best brand, brands, all the best selections, all the best everything, best customer service. So stop in today either online or in store because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. All right, Kurt, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball here. Now, this – it wasn't a vintage performance, and it probably wasn't the type of defense performance you would come to expect from a Georgia defense. But we held Missouri a full yard per play below their average coming into the season. We held Brady Cook to his lowest completion percentage of the year by far, under 50% completion percentage for Brady Cook. We intercepted this guy two times, and this is a dude that early in the year set an SEC record with 366 consecutive passes without throwing an interception. We picked the guy off twice. I know one was at the end of the game, but hey, we still forced that. So I think all in all, while it wasn't maybe the most dominant defensive performance you've kind of seen from Georgia over the past couple years, I still think it's a good, dangerous offense with some big-time playmakers, a great one-two combination, a quarterback receiver with Cook and Burden, a really good overall performance. but. The run defense was frustrating at times, Curtis, with, with Cody Schrader, who I, I mean coming in this game, I was telling you guys, and this guy's a really good running back. He doesn't look the part necessarily. Shorter, thicker, played four years at Truman State and then tra- transfers to Missouri, goes to Missouri, as a walk-on, earns his way. He's a guy that Malachi starts chased down at the at the one yard line, I guess, last year and saved that game. But Cody Schrader's a different guy. I don't know if Malachi would would catch him this year because he's slimmed up and gotten faster. But he went for one, uh, they, they rushed for 151, 4.4 per carry total. Obviously, Brady Cook with his legs was a big part of that as well. But Cody Schrader in particular, Curtis, 22 carries, 112 yards rushing. It's the first running back to go over 100 yards against us on his own since 2020. Now, that's on top of Auburn earlier in the year being the first team in over five years to go over 200 yards rushing against us. Now, I think it's been pretty clear all year, Curtis. We've talked about this many times. This is not new territory. This is not the same Georgia rush defense. It's not. It hasn't been. It's not going to be. But this was not a a great rush defense performance yesterday, at least by the numbers. So what was the issue on Saturday with the rush defense?
1: Missouri's rushing attack, you probably went over this in the show last week, but the way they run their rushing attack, you have to be in position every single time or they'll find it. I mean, you think back to last year, they had the big plays in the running game because – you got guys lose their zone or lose their spaces, and that's the biggest thing. And then people like Cody Schrader make you hurt, make it hurt from where they where you're when you're not in the right position.
0: It's outside zone, man. That's what they run. Yeah, you can call it the stretch play if you want, that's fine, but that, that is outside zone. It's what they run, it's what Eli Drinkwitz has run for years, going back to NC State, going back to Appalachian State, even going back to Boise State now here at Missouri. I know he's not calling the plays anymore, but as I laid out last week, yeah, he's not calling the plays, but it's very much his offense, Corey Moore coming over from Fresno State, he's basically just calling Eli Drinkwitz's offenses and putting a few of his own wrinkles in there. But it's still, I mean, it is Eli Drinkwitz's offense. That's that's what that offense is. And they run outside zone, outside zone, outside zone, outside zone. Maybe throw an inside zone there for a second, then outside zone, outside zone, outside zone. You, I mean, how many times they run that play? 30? 20? Yeah, 90, 90% of
1: their run plays, though, are going to be that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what they do. And everything that they do offensively operates off that. They'll run that, run that, run that, get you over-pursuing. They'll hit play action off that. They'll do misdirection stuff off that. And that's what they do. That is what they do. We knew that coming to the game. We laid that out on the show. It's, But it's it's one thing to know. We knew what they were going to do. The, the team knew what they were going to do. But I know it. They know it. But it's one thing to know it and another thing to stop it because it's just a very different scheme. Like go back – Like yeah, their defensive scheme is different. Their offensive scheme is different too. Like teams run outside zone, but nobody runs it as much as Missouri does. And here's what makes Missouri so good with that. It's basically all they run. They run inside zone occasionally, and they might run a little bit with, with uh, Brady Cook every now and then some design QB run stuff, but the vast majority – I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, Kurt, but probably like 85 90%, like you said. is outside zone. So when you run that one play as much as they do, you get really freaking good at it. And when the defense does not face that type of run scheme and that specific run play very much at all, you're not really good defending it. You have 20 hours in a week to work on that. That's all you have, right? So they're really, really, really good at this one play. We don't defend it very often. We don't see it very often, so we're not that good defending it. It's the same concept as triple option. I know it's not the triple option, but, like, why was Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson tough sometimes to stop? Because that's what they do. They run that stuff over and over and over again. You see it once a year. They're just way better at running that than you are at stopping it because you never see it. And it's the same idea here. They, they run that play so much, and they're so freaking good at it, and we never see it, and we're not that good at it. And then they have a running back in Cody Schrader, who's a one-cut, get-downhill guy who's a perfect fit for that scheme. It creates issues. It creates issues. Now, I will give our defense this. They – rained the ball more consistently than I would have liked, but we also didn't allow them to explosive plays, right? At least in the running yeah. game. So I think yeah, especially I think the, the running game. Run the like, 13 not, yards. Is that right? 13
1: yards? I was going to say, you didn't see any of those long ones like Cody Schrader had last year.
0: Yeah, and that's huge because like, that was one of the things I wanted to do in this game because this is the very – this uh, this is an offense that has a lot of explosive capabilities, especially with Luther Burton. They've been explosive all year long. They had to stretch of like four or five straight games, over well over 500 yards. But they – are a team that if you make them go the distance, make them grind out drives, all of a sudden it's not the same offense. And that's what we – that was clearly our game plan. It's like, okay, if you want to run the football on us, do it. We're not – if you want to run four or five yards a time, that's fine. That's okay. We are not going to allow Luther Burden to beat us. We're not going to give up those explosive plays. We gave up one of them, and that was enough. But we're not going to get up any more of those, all right? We're going to make you grind out yards, and we're going to bank on it that you're not going to be able to do because this is one of the most penalized teams in the country, Curtis. Right? We saw a bunch of false starts in that game. We're going to bank on that you're not going to be able to consistently go down the field enough, put a, to put together enough long grind out drives to be able to put enough points on the boards to beat us. And that's exactly how it played out, Curtis. Like uh, we 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 gambled there, we ran the odds, and that's what we went with, and. It worked out for us. Now, we're going to get to this in the past even here in a second, Curtis. But I'm sure you noticed this uh, because it was hard not to. I know you're watching it closely. The personnel package that we came out with to open this game and played with liberally throughout the game, where we have you bring Kamari last year, he's always in. You put him in the slot, you bring Julio Humphrey on the field at cornerback. And not only that, the front, we had Jalen Walker, and we had him in at, at basically Jack Linebacker. And we moved Michael Williams down, basically playing like a three tech. And so we're basically almost operating in our dime package to open the game. Do you, how much of that do you think factored into their success running the football? Um, I think it did. I think it did a lot. Yeah, a lot. I mean th- – Because th- why does Jalen Walker not normally play on early downs? Because he yeah. can't defend the run. He's not a jack linebacker. He's not big enough. He's an inside linebacker. We bring him in on third downs to rush the passer. And, again, that's going back to what I was saying, is like we we gambled. We said, okay, we know you're probably going to run the football against this look. But you're going to have to do that 10, 12 plays on the field and have to do that over and over and over again. Can you do that? And the answer was no. Now, we didn't play that look exclusively, but we played it a lot, especially in the, in the first half. And I do think that was part of the issue. Now, there were plenty of times we were outside zone and ran the ball on us with our, normal, with our typical looks. So it wasn't like it was only that. But I do think that played a role in it, and we were just saying we're not going to let you beat us down the field. We're not going to let you hit those explosive plays. If you want to grind it out, fine. So be it. But they just – couldn't do it consistently enough. Just couldn't. All right, Kurt, I want to move to the to the pass game here. Because that's I think a perfect segue. So our rush defense was not to our standard, but the pass defense was exceptional, man. Hell, Brady cooked a 14 of 30 passing, under 50%, 212 yards, 7.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and two big interceptions. Yes, Luther Burden had one. He had that big uh, catch in the the touchdown catch in that first drive, but we held him to one catch after that first drive. He was the second-leading wide receiver in the league, three catches overall. He, there's one point in the, in the season, Curtis, that dude went five straight games over 114 yards receiving. What was it that we did defensively that was able to contain this Missouri passing, which has been explosive most of this season?
1: Well, I think it was twofold. I think we did a much better job of getting pressure on Brady Cook was one thing. And then number two, I think we did a good job of being physical with their receivers when the referees would allow
0: it. What did you now that you bring up the officials? What did you make of the officiating? Some of the pass interference calls and non-calls. Highly. The questioned. first call on Humphrey was straight garbage. Yeah, that that the, garbage. The call on,
1: it is complete phantom call.
0: Garbage. If you're gonna call the one on Humphrey, fine, but you better call both ways. They were not.
1: Just yeah, they were not. they were not. You know, there was no, they only called a couple on Missouri, and Missouri was getting. I mean, that's just a passive interference. It's don't even get started. What you know, we should have brought it up when the success Missouri had running the game. It's easy when you can hold every play and not get called.
0: Oh yeah, that, I I didn't want to be that guy calling all, all the the all those missed calls. but yeah, there was a, there was a lot of holding going on.
1: Just, like I mean, that one the Cody really Trader hard. untouched run. Uh, oh god, yeah, holes. yeah,
0: yeah. I lost kind of holds on that play. Just mm, yeah, not great there. That was one that Raylan was out there, right? Raylan Wilson. Yep,
1: that's correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Now, remember the one, the one pass they did call Missouri on the on the Missouri sideline, and Eli Drinkwitz went bananas, went crazy, yeah. and it's like, dude, that was so obvious. Like, if you're gonna call what you called on Julio Humphrey on the Missouri sideline, and you don't call that, then we're fighting. That was like we're, we're throwing hands. Like that's crazy. So that was, I mean, that was an obvious call. I don't know what you're talking about there, but yeah, I think. Getting the, I I love what we did. Like let's talk about that, Curtis. The the actual scheme there itself, the personnel usage, bringing Jalen Walker in like we did, uh, Damon Wilson, getting him more time as well. Kamari Laster playing slot, bringing Julio Humphrey and playing serious downs. What did you make of that? I think it was a masterstroke. I I think it was genius. It was a masterstroke. It that to me that was a big
1: change in the game too.
0: It made so much sense, Curtis. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, man. You know. We talked about it after the Florida game in the recap show a week ago. When you know we did, we weren't 100% sure. I thought Taiki was fine, but we weren't 100% sure. I needed to hear Kirby say it, and he did on Monday. But like we were talking about, like what if Taiki can't go against Missouri and you got Janelle Aguero out there against Luther Burden? And I love Janelle Aguero; I think he's gonna be awesome. But I mean, that's not a matchup you want to see against Luther Burden. So I was kind of concerned about that. Even with Taiki out there, I love Taiki. he's been so good for us this year. But covering a guy like that is not what Taiki does best. So no. there was some concern on my part, honestly, because Luther Burden plays like 90% of the snaps in the slot. So I was like, oh, okay, um, we're going to do a lot of zone stuff because I know we love to run man, but I don't know if I feel comfortable with Tyke and man against Luther Burden. That's interesting. And clearly our coaches saw the same thing. And so we can – I mean we, I don't want to say we completely change up our defense, but that was a big move, taking Kamari, who didn't, does not play inside. And putting him at star, not for the entire game. Tykey played a fair amount too, but in those situations, opening the game and obviously in third down situations, we felt they were in passing situations. We had that we had Kamari at star, matched up with Luther Burden, and then you bring in Julio Humphrey, who I thought played really well, man. I mean, Julio. Yeah, Humphrey, I, he really played well. really well. We've been saying for weeks this guy's the best. He's uh, com- him and Dalen. I like Dalen. Julio's a better cover guy, and he showed exactly what we've been talking about. I mean, he's just better. He's not as physical, I guess, against the run. Talking about covering people, um, he's he's just better. That's that's just what it is. But it was it was awesome, man. Master stroke. The, the last time I can remember us doing something like that, I'm go all the way back to 2019. Remember the SEC championship against LSU? Yeah. And we came out. I think it was like, I think like 60 dbs, dude. I think at times we had seven. I mean, it was a base 6 db look, and like at times seven dbs on the field. And I mean, yeah, they were just, you know, really freaking good. And actually, we played fairly well defensively against them, all you know, all things considered, because they were that good. We just couldn't score because we had a mashing you know, on offense. Everybody picking's being out for the first half, and, and Blaylock going down with the ACL thing. But um, it, that's the last time I remember us like changing up the personnel like that to that degree in a game, like that radically. Because again, like we were basically playing our dime package more or less with Kamari moved inside, and we opened the game with that. And yeah, I know like you're gonna give up more on the ground when you do that. But <laughs> again, what scared us, we knew like if Missouri's gonna beat us, they're gonna to beat us through the air. And we were not going to let that happen. And I I think that was a master stroke, man. I, I loved it. Um, it wasn't, you know, we, we weren't perfect in that look, but I think it completely took them out of what they wanted to do because they clearly like when they got matched, if they try to get Bird matched up on, on some guys that thought were favorable matchups, like the the touchdown with Dalen Never. I thought Dalen was in a really good position but putting Kamari there in that spot for the majority of the game really took them out what they wanted to do offensively and they were not prepared for that they did not really have an answer for that their answer was just to run outside zone 20 times and they did but when we don't give up explosive plays when they run outside zone I mean again 13 yards was their was their longest run of the game with at least with Cody Schrader then you're you're making them go the length of the field over and over again, and they just could not do enough. They couldn't do as much as we did. It's the bottom line. We, had, we were able to string together more long drives, and we were able to score touchdowns once we got in the red zone with those long drives, and they simply were not able to do it. I thought it was a um, an exceptional game plan. What did you make of the way that Kamari Lasher played in that spot?
1: Oh, that man made himself some money. Big time. Bang simple as that. I mean, I've been watching some more replays from the game, and you you saw where they tried to take shots, especially <clears throat> to burden later in the game, and Lassiter was all over him.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you. Um, I thought that was really successful. I know that not every team that we play is the same type of team, but d- should this just be a one-off thing against Missouri, like a game-plan-specific thing, or could this be something that we see in the future against teams that can throw the football like that, especially out of the slot position? Like, oh, I don't know, Tennessee, because that's kind of Tennessee? the premier spot in their yeah. offense.
1: Ohio State, if you were to play one of yep. those teams. I mean – Yep. yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, even, even, Ole, Miss, even Ole, Miss, Ole Miss, Curtis, even Ole Miss. Say, now, we the, the problem with Ole Miss is they run the football really well. And they run it downhill at you. So they, they, they do, will but the, really old, the lane pretty now. creative. I don't know, man. I thought it was, I thought it was a, a genius move, yeah. And I think that's something that we can carry forward moving ahead. Because if Kamari played that well in that spot, and, like, I love Tyke Smith. Smith Tyke Smith's a really good run defender for us, and he's been really competent in coverage for us, much better than coverage than I thought he would be, honestly, at the beginning of the season. He's been great for us. But I mean Kamari's just a better cover guy. And when you play those guys that play those teams that have those elite guys in the slot, I mean you, you gotta put your better cover guy out there. Because we've been we've been hurt in the past from that position, Curse, like a lot. And this could be an answer to that. And then you bring it it all depends on can Julio Humphrey play at that level he played at yesterday. If he plays at that level, why would you not? Especially on third downs. Like every third down, bring Kamari inside and bring Humphrey yeah. on the field. I, I, mean, agree. I don't care. I don't care who you play. Every third down, third and long passing situation, we bring our dime package on the field. Put Kamari inside on the slot. Take Tyke out. His, Tyke does not – I mean that's not where his strength is. is a third and long situations. Bring Kamari inside. Bring Humphrey on the on the field, play cornerback, and that's a, that's a great look, man. I love that. So, yeah, I hope that's not the last that we see it. I thought that was a, just an outstanding bit of coaching there from Kirby, Glenn Schumann, the entire coaching staff there. So beautiful stuff. All right, last thing on the defense curve before we move to game balls. I hate to – I don't even like talking about this, man. I hate when we talk about injuries. We've got just another one. We've had so many this year. The latest one being Pop Dumas Johnson, and I know we don't have the official word on exactly how long, but Kirby, after the game in his post-game press conference, said he got a text message during – is actually during the press conference. He was like, yep, it's a fracture. Don't know exactly what bone. It's a fracture somewhere in the forearm, the arm. So he's going to be out for a little while. Chris. I mean, I, with linebackers, I don't I – mean, you can always – Wrap it up. I don't know. Like I don't know if he's gonna be. He probably won't be able to play at least for a couple of weeks, at, at the at the very least. But with Pop out, Curtis, I know that we have been hard on him most of the season. So I'm gonna let you take this one. How does that affect this defense moving forward? If he can't go next, at least the next couple of weeks. It does hurt. Um, you know, Pop, Florida is probably one of the best games he's
1: played all year. I felt like he was playing yeah. better against Missouri, also. So it's gonna hurt. You know, he has stepped up the last couple weeks and. Play more like the player that maybe most expected out of him, and it's gonna hurt especially when it's Ole Miss in Tennessee because they are running power-based mm-hmm. running teams. Um, so it is gonna hurt especially right now. You something's going on with Xavier Sorry who had to miss his last game for personal reasons. So we haven't seen him in ever... a minute, man. He has he has not been out there for a while. Exactly. So you we don't know. Um, it's just gonna be dangerous. I mean, C.J. Allen's still nursing the hamstring, and he played yes, but now he's. Mm-hmm he's going to be out there the whole game very Raylan Wilson's
0: going getting a lot more time um which is i love Raylan wilson is in, in his his ceiling his upside is off the freaking charts but this guy has played very little most of the year and when you play a team like ole miss that does a lot of misdirection stuff that's scary yeah some, i mean i love the athleticism i love the upside you can play a lot of football and you gotta go because what ole miss guys we'll get into a lot this this week man they do so much like pulling guards like it's like red herrings. They'll pull guards, or pull guards, tackle centers one direction and run the ball the other way. So it completely screws up your keys. And a young guy who's not played a lot, that's tough, man. Even with C.J. Allen, who's played more, he's still a freaking true freshman. Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, Pop has not been. He hasn't been playing at an All-American level like he was listed as in the preseason. Which you know, he was never an All-American. Let's just be real. But he has been playing better. I agree with you. We, we gave him a lot of props last week. I think he's become a really good pass rusher for us in the linebacker position. And what concerns me the most, Curse, is these next two weeks, as you were saying, is Ole Miss and Tennessee, these are the types of games where Pop would flourish. These are his games. They, those two teams do what he does best. They, they want to run the ball downhill at you. And what does Pop do best? He stops a downhill run. He's, he's played a lot of football. So I think it does hurt. And I know it sounds weird coming from two guys who have, again, spent a lot of time being critical of Pop this year. But – what we've always said, Curtis, is that he's great downhill against the run between the tackles with that kind of run game. We haven't seen a ton of that this year. We, I mean, Kentucky was was one of those teams, but we're going to see it the next two weeks over and over. And Tennessee's the number one rushing offense in the SEC, guys. 227 yards per game. Mississippi is fourth, 181 yards a game. They both run the ball downhill right at you. I know there's a lot of window dressing for Ole Miss, but it's just like, Auburn back in the day with, with uh, Gus Malzahn, a lot of window dressing. But what they want to do, they want to run the football right down your face. That's what they wanted to do. And that's exactly what Ole Miss wants to do with Quinshaw Judkins. So, yeah, man, um, the combination, especially with Ole Miss next week, is concerned. The, the combination of the misdirection, the running downhill at you, this was what fits Pop's game, it is a concern for me. I'm not going to lie. I am, I am very concerned about that. That's, that hurts. That one does hurt. Now, fortunately, we do have a lot of talent in that position. But the problem is, again, it's, it's largely inexperienced talent that hasn't played a ton of football. So we're going to need Smile Mondin to play big, man. We need him to come up and be a big-time leader for us there. So that's uh, definitely a concern. All right, Kurt, let's wrap things up, man. Let's move into our game ball segment. I think there's some obvious ones. I think maybe there's some that I, that maybe aren't as obvious, I think he played really well and probably at least deserving of honorable mentions. But as we always do, I'm going to let you uh, kick us off here, Kurt. Who gets your first game ball?
1: My first one goes to Julio Humphrey. I thought he had a great game stepping in and uh, – Make a big time plays for us out there.
0: Yeah, I think he played outstanding, man. I mean, again, like we just talked about a few minutes ago. I think I don't say the best cover guy on the team because this man named Kamari Laster does exist. But if you're comparing Julio Humphrey to Dalen Everett, Julio Humphrey's a better cover guy. I I I do want to say this about Dalen. Dalen has gotten better in coverage. The, the thing with Dalen, he's it's almost a Keely Ringo effect. He's consistently there. Like Dalen does not get torched. He is there in phase, in position. It's a matter of the man. Turning his head around and making a play on the ball. When he starts to do that, Daylon's going to be big time. He just hasn't done that consistently. Julio Humphrey, when he's gotten opportunities, as he did on Saturday, has done a much better job of turning around, and making plays on the ball. Even the one they got called pass interference on. And the the announcer, Aaron Taylor, whoever it is, I forget the guy's name. He's like, oh, you know, he's got, got to turn around and make a play. Or maybe it was no, it was Jean's, it was Gene Steratore, the referee guy. He was like, Oh, you got to turn around and make a play on the ball. I was like, what are you talking about? His heads all the way to turn around making a play on the ball. So I thought he played really well. His awareness, I think he's a higher level than Dalen right now. So he, that's a great call. He was on my list. So uh you took him. You stole him from me. It's all right. That's all right because you take him. I'm gonna take Ladd McConkey. I never get a guy like this. I'm gonna take Ladd, another seven catches, another 95 yards coming off the big hundred-plus yard performance last week. Almost, almost his third career 100 yard receiving game. Just, a, again, I said it earlier, revelation of this offense. like we know, Maybe revelation is not the right word. We know how good Ladd is, but he's just a breath of fresh air, a sight for sore eyes. When you don't have Brock Bowers in the game, you need that guy. You need a go-to guy when it's third down, you need to be able to make a play. And Ladd McConkey's that guy. He is that guy. So having him back has been huge for this team, huge for this offense. So got to give props to Ladd. He's still not, 100% healthy, still not 100% healthy. He's out there playing hard for his team. All right, who you got next?
1: Um, Next, I'm going to go with Jalen Walker. Um, You know, we talked about him being out there. Yeah, he's not, you know, still learning in the running game, but I thought he did a great job of creating pressure.
0: Let me ask you about this, Curtis. So Jalen Walker, you know, you're right. He's not great against the run as a Jack linebacker because he's not a Jack linebacker. He is an inside linebacker based on his size. Do we see more of him at inside linebacker on standard downs now without pop? Um, it would not shock me. I would. He's got more experience than. I mean, I I really like Raylan Wilson. I'm very high on him long term. Jalen hasn't played that much more, but he's played more. He's been in the system for a whole other year. So yeah, I would I would have Jalen Walker on the field. I, he honestly, Curtis would be my first linebacker off the, my first inside linebacker off the bench on Saturday. That's just me. I could be wrong there. I don't know, but I would I would strongly think about that. But yeah, a uh, one and a half sacks I and mean, he's he's like we we said Mike Williams was the best pass for coming to this season. Are we ready to change that tune a little bit here?
1: I am. I'll say michael I think I liked what we I saw Saturday for the first time of them really moving him around.
0: He's better when he gets matched on inside against a guard like that, yeah. Because guards yeah. can't really – they they can't – rushing the passer, they can't really match up with michael
1: No, I I don't know why we haven't been doing that all year, but I I think we've if done we start
0: it, we've done that – We've done it a fair amount on, on dime packages, but that's it.
1: it. But it felt like this was – I guess maybe because we played dime more against yeah. Missouri. But yeah. I would like to see it more, just moving him around the line of scrimmage to help get him in better matchups.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But I, I I'm ready to say Jalen Walker's the best pass rusher on the team. Oh, the explosiveness. Well, that, the bend. well, I don't
1: know. I'll say you know, Damon Wilson is making some stuff happen.
0: Damon Wilson's a good pass rusher too, and he's working his way on the field. I still would take Jalen Walker. I think he's more explosive. I think, yeah, I think
1: when you take his speed and size, because he can yeah. just, it, I think it brings the, people out.
0: against Ford, the bend. It's like, yeah. oh my god, yeah. I mean, he's, he is a, he's, a, he's an outside linebacker and inside linebacker body. Like he has outside outside linebacker pass rush skills, but he's got an inside linebacker body. So he's kind of like a tweener. But I think you got to put him on the field. I think I think he's be playing. I think he needs to be on the field of inside linebacker. So you can move him around and do some things with him. He's a more he's athletic. athletic
1: Quay Walker.
0: Yeah, that's yeah yeah yeah. I would, I agree. Maybe not quite as big as Quay, but yeah, he's a better pass rusher. I mean, Quay was our best pass rusher on that team, at least from the linebacker position. I know people love Nick I love Nick too, but it was always Quay Walker. And I think Jalen, yeah, definitely the best pass rusher from the inside of the micro position, for sure, for sure, like zero questions asked there. So yeah, great call on Jalen, you stole him from me. So I, I'm gonna go. All right, so you gave it to um, Julio at corner. I'm gonna go Kamari Lassiter. Very Not smart pick. Yeah, I mean Kamari, like, and we, and we know how good Kamari is, but to see him, you said he, that dude, absolutely, you're right. He made himself some money, dude. Like we know he can play the outside, but be able to play the the uh, the slot DB position there, our star defender. That's huge, man. And I always, I, I actually love it because he is actually a big physical corner. Kurt, Kurt. He's really, really good on the perimeter in the perimeter screen game, run game. And so we really don't lose much in terms of the run defense with him. Now where we, where we lose some, some against the run and those looks, it's like, we, have, again, we have Jalen Walker on the field there at Jack, and he's not big enough right now to really do that and be much of, a, of an effect against the run there. But Kamari is a, more than competent run defender from that spot so i love him there i think that could be a potential future spot for me nfl i mean he very well could be so i thought he played really well matched up with luther Burden. he was a big reason why luther Burton only had three catches for a little over 50 yards and that touchdown that burden got was not on kamari and went on kamari kamari's big time player man he's one of the best cover guys in the entire sec i think he showed that it showed his versatility on saturday so a big time performance by him
1: all right who you got next next i'm gonna go with oscar delp all right I think that you know he, he's getting more and more active in the passing game, and I think he's really stepped up and made some big-time catches in place of Brock.
0: He has, man. I, I We know he's not going to be Brock Bowers, right? That's never going to happen. We should never hold him that expectation because Brock is a – the generally, I hate to use this term, it's true. wasn't a lifetime guy. You don't see guys like Brock Bowers in that position. But Oscar Dup is a really good football player, man. And, I mean, again, he's been playing out – most of the years playing out of position, being asked to do basically what – uh, Darnell Washington for his last year. That's not really what Oscar does. And that's not what, it's not what he's best at. He did his very best. He worked admirably at it, but he's more of a Brock Bowers type guy. And now he's being used in that regard, and he's making more plays. So I'm, I'm very excited for him. I think that's a great call. That touchdown was huge for us there to go up two scores. My last one, Curtis. I, w- I was hoping you wouldn't take him. I'm glad you did. Peyton Woodring, man, true freshman. Oh, good call. I was, I was a nervous wreck, man. Uh, that was kicking right into me where my season tickets are. And I was a nervous wreck. I could not. I could barely. I turn around the last second to watch it, but the entire time leading up to, it, I was like, turn around. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. Because if he misses that kick, Curtis, I, I just have visions of Missouri driving on the field, getting a one point victory. I'm just like, I can't. I can't take this, man. I can't take this. But he nailed it, dude. Ice in his veins. 48 yarder, career long. This is a guy. Early in the season, you know, first couple games, we had some questions about. It. We're like, um, what's happening here? He's missing some very easy field goals, and this could be. Uh, the kind of thing that could derail a, a potential championship run, but since that time, Curtis, he's been nothing but money. Now, the field goals haven't been that long for most of the season. Like He hasn't been like big-time kicks and big-time pressure moments. I guess Auburn were some pressure moments. They were shorter kicks, like inside 30 yards or inside 40 yards, some inside 30. But this one, Curtis, 48, with that on the line, the stakes of that moment, absolutely clutch. And that's a true freshman. So now he's 17 and 20 on the year, big time, 48 yard field goal. So Peyton Woodring, I got to give him a shout out. I think the special teams, I think situationally we won this football game. I also think special teams won the football game with, with him being great. I mean, the thicker kicker from Missouri is awesome. I mean, anytime they're over the 50, I'm like, they're basically in field goal range. But Woodring was his equal, if not better in this game with that 48 yarder. We had some really nice kick returns and Missouri had that. Colossal mistake, right? Where the guy takes the ball to the end zone and like what do you possibly think? That was a freshman there for them taking that ball out of the end zone. So I think situational football and special teams really at the end of the day might have been the two big differences in this football game. So I gotta give a lot of love there. Peyton Woodry, man. All right, Curtis, I think we've covered just about all of it Uh, for now. I know there's always things that we miss. That's what the Mailbag episodes are for, so we'll go back and we'll do another rewatch and have even more detailed thoughts for you guys on that Mailbag episode, so make sure to send those questions in to us at glory underscore UGA. You can also email us, gloryugapodcasts at gmail.com if that's easier for you guys. Whatever way you can get your questions to us, we will do our very best to get them on the show. But Curtis, any last words here before we uh, check out? I don't think so. Alright man, big game next week. How you feeling? Real quick, I know we're not gonna have you back on, so the recap next week. How you got any quick thoughts on Ole Miss?
1: Um Ole Miss is is a very similar matchup to me of uh, this Missouri game, so I think it's gonna be very similar. Um and it's gonna be a tight one, but I'm excited, you know. I'd rather have a night game in Athens than in Knoxville, so I'm gonna take this seven PM kickoff and hopefully the um I think Georgia can come out on top. They just kinda have to play similar to Missouri and you know, win the turnover battle and make you know, do things
0: like that. Make them earn it. No explosive yeah. plays. Let me be explosive plays. Do you feel like we're going to – are you expecting another tight game? I, I don't really think so. I mean my thing – Ooh. I, mean, I
1: boy, am. Play, I mean it'll be tight, but watch the way Alabama played Ole Miss. Their offense is
0: not unstoppable. You'd be able to stop the run, and, but that's my concern, Curtis, is like we have not been as dominant against – Alabama's better against the run this year than we are. That's fair. That is Well, fair. actually, they're not technically. Statistically, they're not. I take that back, but I just – there have been some high-profile moments in teams that can really run the football where we have not been great against the run. Yeah. I know their offense is a little bit different. It's just – it's the, the the uniqueness, Curtis, honestly, for me that's – because, like, Missouri is kind of a unique offense, right, in terms of, like, we don't face that kind of offense very much. So you don't get to practice that much, and we don't face Ole Miss really ever. So just the uniqueness of that offense and the misdirection is kind of concerning. But, I mean, I think that we should win. But I do think it's going to be a closer game. I still think without Brock, the the margins are just reduced right now. But it's going to be fun, man. I'm usually not a night game kind of guy. I'm an old man now. Night games are not for me. But I'm pumped this one's a night game. We need it to be. We need that home field advantage as much as humanly possible. But all right, guys. That does it for us today here on the Glory UJ podcast. You guys know we appreciate you. We appreciate you being here each and every week, each and every episode, so thank you for being here once again. We got a lot of great coverage for you the rest of this week. You guys know how we go during game weeks. So we'll have our mailbag episode here tomorrow, and then we'll have our preview show, and then Charlie will be back with me for our picks of the week for week 11 at the end of the week, so a lot of great stuff for you guys. Keep on coming back for more. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell everyone. Make sure everyone knows about the Glory UJ podcast so they can get all the same great coverage that you guys are getting, but thank you guys. Appreciate you for Curtis I'm Tyler and as always go dogs